Hey there, welcome to Shoot the Flick. I'm Frankie Sparks. And I'm Scott Eisenberg. And we are a married couple who like to shoot the shit about movies. That we do, that we do. And this week, Scott has shown me a movie that um, has been the talk of the town, I would say, as of late because of its newer sequel that has come out that's getting a lot of buzz a lot of oscar buzz a lot of buzz in general for being one of the greatest films of the year most highest grossing films of the year so scott what movie did we watch today well we had to enter the danger zone oh god and we watched top gun released in 1986 now top gun is one of my stepfather stevo's movies he watched it a lot. So I watched it a lot. Uh-huh. But I haven't seen Top Gun in probably seven or eight years. Has it Has it held up to what you thought it was, Scott? No. <laughs> oh, no. Honestly, if it wasn't for the fact Top Gun Maverick came out, I probably wouldn't be showing you Top Gun. Okay. Well, um, I'll be honest, before this new movie came out and it has got all this good hype, um, I really had no interest in watching the sequel or the original Top Gun. But knowing me, if you've hung around this show for a while, I'm a big Oscar nerd and this movie's getting a lot of Oscar buzz. So uh, we're going to have to watch Top Gun Maverick. We haven't done it just yet, but we, we will certainly now that we are both prepared with uh, all of the ammunition of the original film which um i mean is fine i guess <laughs> well the thing about tom cruise oh yes scott tell me about the man the myth the legend tom cruise it just feels like tom cruise has always been full of himself well, yeah, and I mean, for this movie, he was paid a million dollars, which at that time was like the highest paid he's ever been for a film. He had just done Risky Business, I think, before that. So this was, I guess, kind of early in his uh, rising stardom. Yeah, this is before he became like a superstar, but it just, he has this persona in most of his movies that just makes him seem unlikable. And Yes. <laughs> and it's just like... I've talked about going back to like Mission Impossible movies and trying to watch them all and trying to figure out which one is which. <laughs> um, but like, I have no real interest in doing that because I'm not the biggest Tom Cruise person. There's only one Tom Cruise movie that I really, really want to show Frankie. And that's because he plays against type. Oh, is that Collateral? That is Collateral. I do want to watch that. Yeah, I do want to see that movie. Um... I kind of have a similar thing with Tom Cruise. I'm not a big fan of his, but I haven't seen a lot of his movies. I don't, I don't really have a strong opinion of him either way, but he does give off a vibe that he's very full of himself, which, you know, in the world of Hollywood actors, that's not too out of pocket, right? But I think the thing with this movie, on paper, this movie does everything it needs to do, right? It has a, char a main character who is, you know, very handsome and charming and you know kind of arrogant but he's still got a little you know a little lovable charm to him and he has the you know the funny best friend and the the romantic love interest and on paper everything is paint by numbers for like a typical kind of actiony 
movie such as this, right? I mean, I, I would guess it makes it different just the background that went into it with the with the uh, the aircrafts and the flying and the all that stuff and the stunts and all that. But on paper, as far as the script, it's a very typical kind of script. Yeah, you give him a hard-nosed rival who's arguably just as good as he is. Yeah, but I think for whatever reason, I didn't really feel attached to anybody. The most I felt attached to a character was probably Goose. Yeah, that's me too. Yeah. I mean, we'll talk about it more as in detail as we go on, but like I just I really didn't feel connected to anybody and maybe also partially that's because when all like the flying sequences happen and the combat stuff I kind of easily got confused as to who's flying around where and what are we doing and I kind of just tapped out for a lot of those scenes yeah well because if you're into fighter pilots yeah you know everything and you know the planes and stuff that's why Steve-O was really into that Mm mm-hmm but, like, watching it, yeah, you can get lost really quickly on who's in what plane. Right. What plane is doing what. Like, it's different when you have, like, cars and stuff. Because I feel like they yeah. don't... A, most cars look very different. Yeah, they don't all look alike. Yeah, I was just going to say that. But uh, it also, it's just they're moving so fast and the editing's so quick. Also, this is the first Tony Scott movie we're doing. Is it? I think so. Oh, wow. That's interesting. I know we've done Ridley Scott. Yes, we have done Ridley. But similarly to Maverick, even though Maverick, I think, just got kicked off by Avatar 2 for highest grossing film of 2022, uh, Top Gun is the highest grossing film of 1986. Tony Scott, obviously the director, is behind such films as Beverly Hills Cop 2, True Romance, which I got to show Scott. It's a great fucking movie. The Pelham one two three remake, which I actually thought was decent. Yeah, it was good. Funnily enough, both John Carpenter and David Cronenberg, who we've talked about previously on the show, were both offered to direct and turn it down. But uh, yeah, I, I think it was directed well. I don't think the problem really lies in the direction. I will say I think that at least part of the problem was probably with the writing, and uh, the script was written by Jim Cash and Jack Epps Jr., who were both behind such films as Turner and Hooch. Dick yeah. Tracy, yeah. Anaconda, yeah. and Flintstones in Las Vegas. Ah, uh, Viva Rock so, Vegas. So, yeah. Like, this is what we're dealing with here. Like, again, some of those movies, like, Turner Hooch is okay. Turner Hooch is okay. I like Turner Hooch. Anaconda is okay. Eh. But, like, the, that list of movies, at best, get to okay, and at worst, you're like, eh, this isn't great. Well, let's be real. If Tom Cruise wasn't tom cruise and wasn't behind this movie this movie would not have gotten a sequel definitely not 36 years later i mean oh, you, no. you talk about avatar 2 being too late for a fucking sequel top gun maverick is like uh, you know when it first was announced i don't think many people gave a fuck yeah they only gave a fuck because yeah you're right it's tom cruise you look at this movie's cast you got cruise you got kilmer you got tom skerritt you got michael ironside like you got a bevy of yeah, there's a actors. lot of heavy hitters in here. Let's not talk about <laughs> Kelly McGillis. I don't. I, I there's a reason you don't know her from anything else other than this. <laughs> I <yeah>. anyway. <laughs> I, I actually, I literally looked at my letterbox and going, "Do I know Kelly McGillis from anything else?" Because we had this discussion after we watched the movie. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, two movies out of whatever her 47 movies she's done. I'm like, okay, what's the other movie? And it's fucking Babe, starring John Goodman as Babe Ruth. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> so a movie that most people haven't even heard of, let alone seen. Got it. Cool. This movie was nominated for four Oscars. Uh, it only won one of them. It was nominated for Best Sound and Editing, and it lost both of those to Platoon. It lost sound effects editing to Aliens. But it won Best Original Song for Take My Breath Away by Berlin. Take my breath away. The soundtrack to the movie went nine times platinum. It has a lot of good songs in this movie. I'll give I'll give the movie that. It's got a lot of good song moments. We got Danger Zone, we got Dock of the Bay, Great Balls of Fire, all that good stuff. We'll talk about it. The soundtrack and the score. The score is good too, yeah. The main Top Gun theme, which is used multiple times throughout the movie, is a awesome little theme, and I feel like both the soundtrack and the score definitely add to this movie. Like they, they're not distracting really. They're fun. They're good times. So just quickly looking up the guy who did the score for this movie, his name is Harold Faltermeyer. He also did the score for Top Gun Maverick, obviously. Uh, but his other big claim to fame in the composer world would be for Beverly Hills Cop 1 and 2. And that also has a pretty uh, memorable score as well. Oh, yeah. Axel F? Fuck yeah. But um, in regards to the, the songs in this movie, particularly Take My Breath Away, I mean, one of the bigger problems in this movie... Like I kind of was alluding to, it's it, the character. I don't give a shit about anybody, particularly the romance in this movie. The, the quote unquote romance is just, it's bad, guy. It's bad. They constantly play this song, Take My Breath Away, which is a great fucking song. Don't get me wrong. But it seems like they're playing it so much and they're having other characters also come into the story and be like, oh, Maverick and Charlie, they're so much in love. Can't you just see it? It's so obvious. They're so in love. It's like the, they're trying to convince the audience that this this coupling is working when it's clearly not. And it's just, it's so forceful and it's a little much, but... Eh. Well, Take My Breath Away is played three times in the movie. And Danger Zone is also played three times in the movie. Yeah, Danger Zone is also... But, like, that's, you know, that's done for its obvious purpose to, like, get everybody hyped up for the planes. The planes go from from in the sky, man. It's so cool. Well, Matt Griff's <laughs> on the edge, man. Oh, my God. He's so cool. Honestly, though, the best chemistry in the movie is Maverick and Goose. Yeah, for sure. And that's why a lot of people joke around that this <laughs> go the gay romance between the two of them. One thing I do want to mention before we kind of like get into the nitty gritty, there is sort of a, I guess, an overarching controversy surrounding the release of this movie in that it's a Navy war propaganda type situation. Of course it is. Because um, there was a 500% increase in applications uh, for the Navy after this movie was released. Some of them were posted outside the theater waiting for like these hot shots. Like, I want to be in the Navy. I want to fly cool planes. And it seems a little icky when you think of it in that perspective. But that's always the case. We joked about it when we did Rocky years ago. How many people you think signed up to take boxing classes after Rocky came out? Like uh, me and my buddies used to joke around when we went to go see the original Fast and the Furious movie that we all went home and sped home Right. No, that makes sense. But it I don't know, because the Pentagon was involved with this whole movie, too. They had yeah. script approval because yeah. they, they were like, here, take our planes and play around with our planes. But we want 
to have script approval to make sure the Navy looks good. Yeah, that's kind of, I think, if you are going to use real Navy, Army, Marine stuff, like yeah. uniforms, guns right. and stuff, they want pretty much all control of that stuff. I mean, yeah, I, I get it. But overall, I'll, I will say this, you know, Scotty, you called it because you said in the beginning, I asked you, do you think I'm going to like this movie? And you just went, no, nah, probably not. <laughs> Which, I mean, isn't wrong. I don't hate it. I just don't like it. And I, I, well, I was about to say, I don't get why people like it so much. But I, I think of the volleyball scene and then I'm like, oh, okay, I get it. <laughs> So, like, I get it, but I don't at the same time, if you know what I mean. I think it it's one of those movies that if you watch it when you're younger, you get drawn up in the action. And Maverick is just cool enough where you're like, oh, he's really cool. And Goose is funny enough where you're like, Goose is funny. And you don't really revisit it without rose-colored glasses. Despite all that, we definitely have lots to talk about. So, Scott, are you ready to get into the nitty-gritty here? Yes, let us get into the nitty-gritty. We start off with a definition of what is Top Gun. And basically, Top Gun is the Navy sends all their best fighter pilots to a class to compete to prove who's the best of the best. Who's got the biggest dick? Oh, sorry. I I meant whatever you said. Yeah. Yeah, Val Kilmer. Um... (laughs) For sure, for sure, Val Kilmer. And then immediately we cut to planes taking off to Danger Zone. Ah, yes. Yeah, it pretty much sets the tone right from the beginning of what this movie is going to be. So, I mean, you, you can't fault it for that. It doesn't really give you any false advertising. No, it, it's it's planes take off. We fight. We go bang, bang, bang. <laughs> bang, bang, bang. Pew, pew, pew. And we quickly cut to the Indian Ocean. And there's an unknown bogey flying into U.S. airspace. We send Maverick and Goose off to go see what's going on. And, uh, of course, Maverick is Tom Cruise. And Goose is... Anthony Edwards. Yes. Uh, he's mainly been on TV. He was on ER for, like over a decade so yeah i actually because i had forgotten what i wrote about him in my notes so when i watched him on top gun i was like he kind of looks familiar a little bit but what do i know him from and then i looked at my notes i'm like oh yeah because i've seen clips of er i'm not a big er fan but you can kind of get it a little bit he looks totally different though but uh yeah they they have a it's kind of like a chicken fight with this unknown bogey and they're fucking around and they have another plane there driven by uh, Cougar. Cougar and Merlin. Cougar is, he's only in this movie in the beginning here. He's played by John Stockwell, who we talked about when we talked about Christine last season, the movie Christine. Christine, I think, was three years before this movie. Yeah. But yeah, I, I like him. I feel like he, he should have gotten a more fair shake as an actor. He's not bad. No, he isn't bad, and the idea is that Cougar kind of freaks the fuck out. Yeah, and then you have Merlin, who's played by Tim Robbins, who we've also talked about plenty uh, on this show. We talked about Howard the Duck, which was the same year as Top Gun, by the way. Oh, 1986. What a time to be alive. I don't even think you see Tim Robbins' face throughout the movie. I think you do briefly, because he takes his mask off. Oh, for like like a a second? Yeah, 
So you can really barely tell it's him. But then, of course, Bull Durham, also we talked about Tim Robinson. That's two years after this movie. So this was still relatively early in, in his career as well. Cougar freaks out. Maverick ends up having to, like, corral him into the landing. Yeah. They put a lot of stock into post-traumatic stress disorder almost because he has an interaction with this bogey and kind of freaks out and he looks at a picture of his wife and kid and he's like, I can't handle this. And then he ends up quitting because he's like, yeah, I can't. I don't, I don't have it in me. I can't do it. And you're like, you understand. Like, you get it. Like Right. It's it, it couldn't possibly be foreshadowing for anything that happens later in the no, film. No, not at all. Because Maverick is a hotshot motherfucker, and he's cool as fuck. He, he lets all discipline just roll off his back because he's too cool for school, literally. I feel like every movie involving the military has this character. Sure. Or at least somewhat of a semblance of the hot shot. Really, most action movies have this kind of character. <laughs> I guess true. He's literally Eddie Murphy in Beverly Hills Cop. It's just one of those things like, because another one of Steve-O's favorite movies was Battleship. And it's literally this character. Like the one with Rihanna? Yeah, the one with Rihanna. I watched that a bunch too. Why? <laughs> Wait, really? Okay. No judgment. Like, you do you, boo-boo. I like Spice World. It's okay. We all have our problems. (laughs) We all have our issues. We all have our vices. It's fine. But because Cougar quit, Maverick is now the best fighter pilot of this crew. No shit, Sherlock. He's Maverick. Him and Goose are going to the Top Gun program. Ooh, baby. Uh, Yeah, so now we get to the beginnings of the Top Gun program. We meet Michael Ironside, who's... Jester. Yeah, they all they all go by their call signs, by the way. Uh, but yeah, Michael Ironside is uh, one of the guys in charge here. We obviously talked about him when we did our Total Recall episode, which that movie was four years after this one. And then we also have Viper, played by Tom Skerritt, who we talked about when we did our Alien episode. We got a lot of returning cast members here. <laughs> yeah. Tom Skerritt, of course, has gravitas here. He's like our... Our veteran pilot. Everyone, like, respects him and what he says. Right. And he also knew Maverick's dad. Which is, for some reason, kept secret for, like, most of the movie. Yeah. It's, like, a very uh, a vague kind of, like, mysterious shadow hanging over Maverick because of his father, who apparently was a pilot that, like, disappeared. Basically, yeah. Well, the way they describe it he's, he has a chip on his shoulder because his father disappeared in action but later on tom scarrett tells him oh no your father saved a bunch of people and then got then, shot down right i'm like so why was that kept yeah why can't you just tell him that i don't i don't know but anyway <laughs> but yes we also meet val kilmer yes Iceman. he was jim morrison he played batman obviously in tim burton's world so yeah he's he's obviously very talented but in this movie he kind of just plays like muscle-bound asshole like most of the other guys in this movie uh they are all competing to be top gun Ooh, and, baby and get their name on a plaque and the ability to possibly teach here at the top gun academy but we must first go to a navy party everybody's dancing everybody's having a good time this was weird, guys. I, uh, I didn't like this. It kind of fell flat for me, man. <laughs> so Goose and Maverick are joking around about Maverick trying to pick up women. And Maverick spots Kelly McGillis across the bar. He's like, I'm going to go get her. 
and they try to do this pickup karaoke. It's so it's so awkward. It's so awkward. Let me paint the picture for you. So Tom Cruise and Goose go over there, right? In their uh, military garb, you know, and they go over and they just start singing at Kelly McGillis, who plays Charlie, right? And they're singing. They're more like shout singing, which is awkward enough. She's kind of awkwardly laughing like, oh, this is so cute. Okay. But you can tell she's uncomfortable. There's a reason Tom Cruise doesn't get another singing role until fucking. uh, Oh, yeah. Rock of Ages. Jesus Christ. So then the rest of the guys in the bar turn around and start singing, yelling at her the lyrics to you lost that love and feel. And f- she's clearly uncomfortable, but they're trying to play it off like she's turned on like she's oh, she's intrigued, you know, like, oh, how cute. Oh, this guy's so quirky. Right. But like I tried to put myself in the shoes of this woman in the situation. And I'm like, I don't honestly know what i would do in this situation if just a group of men while i'm by myself at a bar are just yelling like they're not singing like sweetly and crooning to her they're yelling (laughs) they are yelling the lyrics to this song at her and i'm just like what the fuck would i do and then then maverick kind of like shoots his shot and he kind of falls flat right and she goes off to go like sit with this other guy and you would think that then it, it would be done right but no because Maverick has the biggest swinging dick in all the land, don't you know? So he takes the opportunity when she goes to the woman's bathroom to walk into the woman's bathroom behind her and basically stalk her and corner her in the woman's bathroom. Now, if it wasn't Tom Cruise, you know, handsome, smiley, ooh, baby, baby, Tom Cruise and some guy with like, you know, suspenders and glasses and like a fucking chipped tooth walking in there behind her in the bathroom, we'd all be like, oh my God, what a creep. Ew, get away, you fucking pervert. But no, because it's Tom Cruise, we're supposed to find it charming that he follows this woman that he doesn't know who's hot and who he wants to bang into the woman's bathroom and like basically corners her in there and it's like ooh baby baby don't you want to fuck me and she's like and eh, not really and then bye there's literally no chemistry between tom cruise and kelly mcgillis which is a problem now if you're tony scott and you're making a movie for a bunch of dudes who like to get their dicks hard when they talk about planes which happens multiple times in this movie the guys in this movie multiple times say oh my dick's so hard watching these planes go i can't but anyway like you're not really maybe as concerned about the romance right you just think oh hot guy hot girl automatically this is fine chemistry that will just automatically appear no no they have no chemistry at all i agree with you they have very little chemistry again we talked about it before but him and goose have fucking actually good chemistry they have really yeah they have pretty good chemistry together as, as bffs and i could kind of see jokingly why like some people have considered like oh maybe they actually have a relationship there are definitely homosexual undertones to this movie at least in the idea of like men wanting to fuck planes (laughs) if planes were dicks tom cruise would fuck them well between that and the volleyball scene the volleyball scene yeah for sure but they're not really like into each other they're just kind of like showing off their goods in the volleyball scene yeah but it's like the volleyball scene is basically just like a music video or a commercial for like wrangler jeans yeah like 90s wrangler jeans or 80s wrangler jeans i should say so yeah like that's fine you know 
we got to have something to keep the women in the theater, I guess. <laughs> yeah, they'll give them that. Uh, like, here, we'll throw them this bone, literally. Like, here, quick, rub one out for us, ladies. Oh, God. So, we cut to the next day, and Maverick and Goose are sitting in the class, and who happens to be one of their teachers? Ooh, baby, it's Kelly McGillis. <laughs> in another trope that we've seen 10 billion times. Oh, you hit on this girl. It didn't work out. And she's there at your new job or your new place or whatever. And you're like, oh, fuck. Oh, no. <laughs> Charlie talks about how, like, certain maneuvers are impossible. And he's like, well, I did that maneuver. And then she's like, ooh, baby, you did that maneuver? Could you do it on me? Can you tell me about it? Please tell detail? me about it. And While I sit in the bathtub? <laughs> and it... it leads to Iceman who doesn't like Maverick and like that's the progression of their relationship through the movie. Well Iceman is essentially the reason he's called Iceman is because he's, he's ice cold. He doesn't make any mistakes. He's by the book. So he sees Maverick as a loose cannon which he is. Yes. And his point to Maverick is you're more concerned about showing off than like protecting your fellow men out there in the field so that's dangerous for everyone that works with you. And that's not wrong at all <laughs> so we get our first flight test and uh michael ironside's trying to catch them and, and then maverick does this cool move where he does and he hits the brakes jester flies by him and he chases down jester even though he breaks some rules doing it and then we get another scene where you know superior is yelling at uh maverick and goose it it you know it's just that's basically the, what the whole movie is it's like oh maverick does something reckless gets yelled at does the same thing get yelled at and then nothing changes until shit gets like real obviously later in the movie then he starts to learn his lesson goose constantly tells me like maverick i have you're, a you're gonna fuck up my life dude <laughs> i have a family you need to come to fuck down <laughs> oh my god uh the writing in this movie is so like cookie cutter and it's juvenile like that's why you don't give a shit about maverick even though like on paper like i said you should because he's got like you know this charm and whatever and he may be a loose cannon but he's you know he's got cuteness so you know kelly mcgillis is down for it so you should be too right Right? <laughs> well, he, again, he's got the Tom Cruise smile. Yeah, he, and that's fine. Whatever. And he's supposed to have this chip on his shoulder. I feel like we never get, like... You get, like, a little bit of it. But we never get, like, full on. Like, the, the greatest characters with this kind of trope, especially with that chip on their shoulder, show that chip really well. Like, they, they have to be the best no matter what. But Tom Cruise is just too cool to, like... Show that. Yeah, but like I don't know. He do, he he's never likable in this movie. I feel like he's he doesn't do enough to be genuinely likable. Because even when his friend is like who he supposedly loves so much and is the only family he has is like okay, listen, you gotta like chill the fuck out because you're gonna get me kicked out of here. I have a wife and kid, and he still acts like an asshole. At one point, one of the other guys says some smart-ass comment to him, and he, like, walks up to this guy, like, so slick, like he's going to say something so fucking, like, vicious, right? And he just goes, you stink, and then walks away. And I'm like... <laughs> Are you serious? Really? Like... <laughs> 
wow, that was, that hurt me. And I'm all the way over here. That hurt. Maverick, you, wow, are you going to give him a swirly next, you fucking baby? <laughs> well, that's right after Kelly McGillis sets up a date with him. Oh, God. She's like, come to my house at 530. And then he proceeds to play volleyball and show up late to the date that he's yeah. been fighting for. Yeah. The, the the romance in this movie is very flimsy and like non-existent. It's weird because okay, they have this quote unquote date, right? He goes to her house and they like <laughs> sit around and listen to Dock of the Bay and then he has like one little moment where he's like, "Ah, my parents used to love this song." And then after that he leaves. And then literally after that scene, all the characters they're all like, they're in love now. Oh, my God. Oh, I can't believe how much you're in love with Kelly McGillis. It's so obvious that you're in love with her. And it's so obvious that she's in love with you. Take my breath away. What a beautiful romance this is. I really want you guys to bone. Oh, it's just so stupid because the it, it's all based on just carnal lust like they like each other like they respect each other i guess but you never feel like she's falling in love with him or he's falling in love with her not one goddamn time even when everyone in the movie says so you never believe it they're all liars <laughs> especially because the next scene goose's family comes to visit yeah we meet goose's wife meg ryan and uh, she's great in this movie. She's honestly really underrated. She's, she's again, great. Goose's family. Why was she not the fucking love interest? There's a point in this movie where they're all at a fucking bar or a diner or something. And like Tom Cruise has his arm around Meg Ryan just purely in a friendly way. Like, ah, oh, you're my buddy's wife and I've known you forever. I love you, girl. Like, you're the best. And like they have more chemistry between them than he does with the fucking girl he's supposed to be with. Well, I also think Meg Ryan, in these type of movies, shows a lot of chemistry with anybody she's on fucking screen with. Let Meg Ryan be the love interest. Let her be fucking Kelly McGillis' character. I'm sorry, Kelly McGillis, but you're not doing it for me. Hey guys, quick break from the main show. We just wanted to take a minute to show you all some kick-ass podcasts that Scott and I really enjoy. Check them out now. Hi there, I'm Dustin. Do you have a comfort show that you always go back to? Or perhaps there's a TV series you haven't seen in a while and wonder if it's still any good? Well, welcome to the Rewatch Recap, a show where friends and I will queue up an older TV show we've seen and then give a breakdown with commentary of how we feel watching it now, and making fun of it if it doesn't hold up, of course. Dropping episodes weekly, it's easy to rewatch along with us. We'll be focusing on shows from most any era, so suggestions are always welcome. It's sure to be fun, so be sure to check in with us every Monday on the Rewatch Recap. It's time to feel the rage. Join us on Film Rage, where we talk movies, current releases, coming attractions, streaming, and classic films as well. Directors and actors, beware as you cannot hide from the rage. My name is Bryce, and I'm part of the Film Rage crew, which also includes Jim. Hey, hey. And Murray. Yo. Why is it you always talk? All the time, I can't understand I why. This, this, voice is, this is the Merman, the voice of reason. These two can't agree on anything most of the time. Some movies are mondo, some are just Every week, something is going to make us rage. Join us every Wednesday and feel the rage. Can we talk about the scene where she confesses her love to him? Can we please talk yeah, about sure, that Yeah, sure. Let's now? go right now. 
Okay, so they do this fucking class, right? And uh, I don't remember the details of well, it. Well, okay, so what happens is Maverick was being chased by another guy and made a move to dodge him into a canyon and the guy didn't follow him. And he's like, you got lucky, Maverick. And Maverick's like, fuck you. And he gets mad and storms off. Kelly McGillis tries to stop him. And he's like, fuck you. And he drives away on his motorcycle. And Kelly McGillis gets in her fucking convertible and chases after him. It's so dumb. Okay, so then then she they pull over on the side of the road, right? And he's like, what What are you doing? You crazy? You say, I'm reckless. And then she does the most, like, I've mentioned this before. I have a guilty pleasure for soap operas, right? It's just, it's trash, right? It's just, just trash. But it's, it's a guilty pleasure. What can I say? I've never seen a more soap operatic confession of love in a scene. Like, it, this is a major motion picture. She just goes like, oh, you're a genius, Maverick. But I can't tell them that in there. You know why? Because I can't let them know I've fallen for you. That's what she says. Just like that. I can't do it justice, I don't think. But it's just so bad. And up to that point, it makes it worse because there's nothing there up to that point. They haven't, they haven't done anything to suggest that they have romantic feelings outside of flirting with one another let alone falling in love with each other. And then, of course, he just grabs her face and kisses her. And it's like, wait, what? Are we in love now? Is that what this is? In love? In love. Well, they have sex right after this, so. Take my breath away. It's like, oh, my God. Okay, sure. Sure, movie. Sure. But just just that delivery alone, it's like the worst love confession scene I've ever seen in my life. It's so funnily bad i can't let them know i've fallen for you like that's it just sounds so insane i don't know man it's bad it is a little crazy and a little ridiculous and it is definitely soap opery. and it's like kind of a hot love scene but i felt nothing nothing i was like just i nothing at all it was crazy tony scott must think his audience is a bunch of dummies I'm just going to play this really hot song and just let them make out for a while and people will think they're in love. Uh. We just have to keep saying they're in love and eventually the audience will be browbeaten enough to believe it. Oh, God. Ugh. Now now the romance is in full swing and Kelly McGillis at one point goes, take me to bed or lose me forever. Please go somewhere and take a cold shower. Like, you need to go to bed. You are on another planet. Ugh. I was waiting for the General Hospital theme song to kick in. Like, please. It's uh. bad, guys. It's so bad. Uh. But he rides a motorcycle. So they're both hot. So it's fine. It's fine. They're, they have instant chemistry because they're attractive. That's how chemistry works. Actually, speaking of chemistry, I do have some uh, Cass for our for our friends charlie and maverick here would oh. you would you maybe want to discuss that let's get into that in one of our favorite segments the, the cast could have been. been you shake my nerves and you rattle my brain too much love as a man insane you broke my wind but what a thrill and this is quitting balls of fire Let's start with, you want to start with Charlie? Yeah, let's start. And we'll work our way up to Maverick. Yes. 
so apparently with Charlie, some other women were in the in the works. In you gotta home. remember this is the eighties, guys. So uh first things first, we have Ali Sheedy, okay, who yeah. was offered the role but turned it down. Okay. I guess because she thought it was dumb. Probably. I think she went on record as saying like it was one of her biggest regrets in her career turning it down. Probably. Probably because it did become such a big movie. But yeah, I mean, she she would have been interesting. I don't know with Tom Cruise, but... Uh, um, I like Ali Sheedy a lot. Yeah, I like her too. We have Diane Lane. Okay. Brooke Shields. Yeah, well, not shocked there. Jodie Foster. Not shocked there. Daryl Hannah of not Splash shocked. fame, you know. Yeah. Sarah Jessica Parker, ain't that always the way? Yeah. Carrie Fisher. Okay. And the Terminator Queen herself, Linda Hamilton. So basically, everyone who was anybody in the eighties. Interesting. Linda Hamilton would have fucking taken Tom Cruise to bed. Yeah. Oh, for sure. So yeah. would Carrie Fisher, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. It would have been interesting to see Tom Cruise and Carrie Fisher in a movie together. Like, both of them could have dominated fucking five foot four Tom Cruise. But yeah, I don't mind really any of those, I guess. Ali Sheedy's probably, I feel... Well, Ali Sheedy. Ali Sheedy's the most different. Yeah, that's really what it we, is. Because we hit... Well, we hit Ali Sheedy who... Because I just see Breakfast Club. Breakfast well, Club was 85, so... Well, Ali Sheedy usually plays the weird kind of girl. Yeah. And then we hit a bunch of, like, model types. Right, exactly. And then we hit our hard asses with Carrie Fisher right. and it, Linda yeah. Hamilton. So I don't know. It would have been interesting either way. But yeah, I just feel like we could have did better than Kelly McGillis in this. She's like, she's good looking. It's just She's very beautiful. And I don't know. if she, I mean, I haven't seen really anything else that she's been in. I know she was looking back in the notes. I remember she was in the Harrison Ford movie Witness. I believe she played a uh, an Amish mom in that movie. <laughs> I mean, she was fine in that from what I remember, but I don't have anything to really say whether she's a good or bad actress. I just didn't like her performance in this movie. She's, That's what I'll say. She's fine. She's whatever. But uh, when we get to Maverick, Tom Cruise was the first choice, but he did turn it down at first because he said, and I quote, he thought it would be just flash dance in the sky, which isn't wrong no it's a little, <laughs> little weird of a reference to get my head around but right but like if you think about it it's not that different than that but yeah again we got pretty much anyone who's anybody in the 80s most of whom i think could have killed it we got patrick swayze yeah emilio estevez yeah nicholas cage yeah, that would be fun <laughs> sean penn okay yeah. matthew broderick uh, Tom Hanks, Rob yeah. Lowe, yeah. Charlie Sheen, yeah, John Travolta, because he's always in there, Kevin Bacon's in yeah, there, yeah. RDJ, yeah. MJF, yeah. and uh, the weirdest one, I think, is Jim Carrey. That would have been odd. That would have been weird. That probably could have potentially changed the he trajectory been, of his career for a while. Been, he would have been an interesting goose. Uh, yeah. That I see him more as, obviously, because comedic, but yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of people. I'm surprised Harrison wasn't in that list. No, surprisingly. I mean, maybe he was and I just missed it. But yeah, I could see that too. Because it's 80, 85, 86. Yeah. He's still Yeah, you could have had Harrison looking. Ford and Carrie Fisher in there. Again. That, that wouldn't have been weird. In a plane instead of a starfighter. <laughs> but yeah, I think Tom Cruise as, a, as the choice for Maverick isn't wrong. Because with movies like this that maybe don't have the strongest script... You need someone who has that charm. And whether you like Tom Cruise or you don't, he does have a certain charm to him 
yeah. that clearly has carried him over a long ways throughout his career. So you can't knock the guy for that. However, I think the chemistry between him and Kelly McGillis kind of ruined that aspect of the movie, uh, at least for me. So I feel like if you had put even him with somebody else or just changed it up totally, like it, it could have taken the cookie cutter script and brought new life to it. Well, yeah, we always say that because we've had a couple movies on here where we're like, oh, yeah, the story's kind of cookie cutter, but the actors bring it alive. Right, exactly. You know, so if you have the right romance here, maybe that becomes, maybe this movie becomes even bigger than it is. So that was Cass Could Have Been. I, I think that this movie, it, if it was going to be, which probably, again, if Tom Cruise wasn't involved then and wanted to make the sequel, then it could have been different. Maybe this would have been something that could have gotten a reboot. Maybe. I- and had like a fresh pair of eyes on it. and Maybe. I just don't think this. I don't know. It doesn't need to be remade at all in my opinion. Or rebooted or whatever the fuck. But I mean it is what it is. That's the, that's the world we live in now. And even Everything has to be remade and rebooted. 80s, 90s things. Oh what a time to be alive. Let's make them better. Maybe in the future. Well that's the thing. Even with like we haven't seen Top Gun Maverick. I don't know if it's going to be good. I don't know if it's going to be the greatest movie of the year. I don't know. I mean, everyone's saying good things. I think it's going to be better than people thought it was going to be. Because I don't think going into it, people were expecting a lot out of it. They were probably expecting a lot of good visual stuff. And supposedly that's what we get, which is great. But I don't think people would be like singing its praises as much as they are if there wasn't more than just that. From what I understand, the movie is about Maverick being a teacher at like the Top Gun school and Goose's son joins the Top Gun school. So that could be like a really interesting dynamic between the two of them, especially considering what's about to happen to Goose as we get into the plot here. But yeah, I have higher hopes for the sequel than I did going into Top Gun. See, I'm going to keep my hopes low. That's probably a good idea. Because... Honestly, I wasn't really excited about the sequel when it was announced, and then everyone started singing its praises, and I'm like, I'm not, I'm not gonna go in there hoping it's a good movie. I'm gonna go in there going, it's gonna be average, right? And okay, I'm gonna that's, walk that's away. Fair. Either I'll walk away knowing I was right, or I'm gonna walk away more positive, you know? Or you're gonna walk away with a big red mark on your head like you did in Avatar 2 from putting your head in your hands so many times watching Avatar 2. That was quite a movie experience, man. Uh, oh, God, that movie. Oh, Avatar 2. And You're go- so weird. And it's going to get nominated for Oscars. It's going to get nominated for tech Oscars. Yeah, but still. Well, technically, it's nice. It's, it's fine. Good. It's good. It's not as special as the first one was, so whatever. So now we get to the next training mission. And in the next training mission, Maverick is supposed to fly and be Iceman's wingman. Iceman is trying to make this move and get Viper, but he's having trouble. So Iceman thrusts upward, causing his thruster to hit Maverick's plane, and Maverick's plane shuts down and crashes into the sea. But before he tries to eject with Goose, he ejects fine, but Goose's head hits the top of the pod, and Goose is basically dead. Yeah, that was... That was sad. I knew going into this movie that Goose was going to die. I know that much about it. 
but originally in the script it was supposed to be a mid-air collision but because of that aforementioned pentagon control they were like okay if we do it that way people are gonna think that all the freaking navy do is just crash planes all the time like that's not good let's make it like a malfunction with the ejector seat (laughs) which i feel like you know that's not that much better but whatever but also apparently uh one of the stunt pilots on the shoot died during production his name is art shoal and he died in a very similar crash than what was described for the scene so i'm guessing it could have been for this part of the movie his plane failed to recover from a flat spin and just plunged into the pacific ocean and unfortunately they never found his body and they didn't really know exactly what caused the crash but the film is dedicated to him unfortunately he was only 54 it's kind of sad but that's what happens i guess when you play with big boy toys things can go wrong but yeah it is really scary to know because they they talk about it later in the movie after goose's death it's like you know you take this risk when you do this job like you can you can die up there and it's like a really hard scary fact that you have to face and it's just it's kind of freaky well yeah you have to look at all these stunt guys who have done some of this stuff for like decades lighting themselves on fire oh yeah jumping out of buildings jesus christ those guys do fucking amazing work and you have to applaud those guys but yeah they put their bodies at risk constantly one of my favorite stunt guys kane hodder who i think still has the record for the longest time being on fire (laughs) what a record for a stunt i think actually because of that stunt he like has burns all like on his body you take your own life into your risk with half this shit. Especially when this shit was a lot less safe back in the heyday. Definitely, yeah. So, yes. Goose is dead. Maverick holds his dead body while they're sitting in the ocean. That was really sad. And uh, this is the only time, like, during all of Goose's death scene and, like, the aftermath of it, where Maverick's trying to deal with it, I was like, oh, I feel things emotions <laughs> then you see meg ryan and she's crying and she's got the little boy there i was like oh feelings scott i do you, don't you remember what feelings are yes i, I remember what feelings oh, are feels nice to remember <laughs> <laughs> and meg ryan of course gives he he loved you maverick he would he just wanted to fly with you maverick that's all he wanted but she she said something interesting she said he loved flying with you maverick but he would have flown anyway you know, he would have hated it, but he would have flown anyway with or without you. So basically saying, like, it's not your fault and he would want you to move on from this. Yeah, but he doesn't right away. But he gets off, technically. Well, that's the thing, too. That's a big controversy. Like, is it his fault? Is it Iceman's fault? Whose fault was the the incident? It's both their fault. It's been framed both ways from what I've seen on the internet. But Yeah, it, it's both their faults. They, like... Iceman should have probably peeled off a lot sooner, giving Maverick the shot, but Maverick also shouldn't have been following, like, a fucking yeah. lunatic. But ultimately, he, he gets off from, like, the board, I guess. They release him of uh, culpability. And I feel like Tom Cruise's performance in the next few scenes, talking about, like, how he's struggling to get back on the saddle and, like, the one talk that he has with Viper in like the locker room and he's like clearly very distraught and his eyes are all red like he's been crying and he's just like you gotta let goose go you gotta let it go because it's it's part of the job and he's just like he's my family like what am i i can't just let it go it's just it's really it's a good scene 
And he, he's holding on to his dog tags. And Yeah, we're going to talk about the fucking dog tags at the end of this movie. Oh, that yeah. weird... I was like, what the fuck? Anyway, continue. Because we're talking about good things about this movie now. Good things. Yeah, he's basically... He's upset. Every time he goes up to fly now, he, he kind of just peels off and doesn't do what he needs to do. Wait, he flies now? He... Technically does. Sorry, you, I had to do that because you said he every time he goes up to fly now. Oh, they fly now! They fly now! They fly now! <laughs> I had to do it. But yeah, he's got PTSD, obviously, from the whole situation, just like Cougar did in the beginning of the movie. So seeing that parallel and seeing how Maverick has kind of been taken off of his high horse a little bit, it changes things for him as a character, which was nice. It is. It is nice to see like him struggle with this. Yeah. There were nice moments for him in this part of the movie. And eventually he does quit. He quits the Top Gun Academy. And Kelly McGillis comes up to him and is like, I just wanted to, you know, I'm sorry about Goose, blah, 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 blah. I took this job elsewhere. And he's like, well, see ya. And she's like, you were going to leave without saying goodbye? I've fallen for you. How could you do that? <laughs> but no, she's like, you're not the man I've fallen in love with. You, my, the maverick I know and love, he would fight. Remember, we love each other. Indeed. Love. Love. <laughs> but yeah, they have that little kind of sort of breakup scene and then she leaves and... He goes and talks to Viper, mm-hmm. who tells him about his father, and that he can still graduate from the Top Gun Academy because he has enough points to do so. He doesn't win Top Gun. I want that to be known. Yes. The movie is called Top Gun, and Tom Cruise is the star, but he does not win Top Gun. Iceman does. He does. Val Kilmer is the Top Gun. Bang, bang. But really, the real victory comes at this end sequence when uh, Tom Cruise really earns the respect of the Iceman. Yes. He really gets back up on that horse, I mean plane. Yes. Uh, They are sent back to the Indian Ocean, all of them, to now fight these random MiGs. Turns out there's four of them, and initially it's Iceman and his guy, and and Hollywood and his guy and they're initially fighting and Tom Cruise is sitting there with Merlin from the beginning because Merlin comes back. Hi Tim Robbins. Hi Tim Robbins. They get sent to go help Iceman and Maverick does and he saves the day and almost leaves but comes back and kills all the bad guys and we're all happy because Tom Cruise did it and he's like yeah I'm back baby Oh, yeah. Everybody's cheering him. Everybody's excited. Iceman goes, you can fly with me anytime. You can be my wingman anytime. Oh, yeah. You can be my wingman anytime. And then Tom Cruise is like, oh, no, you can be mine. Let's get in the fucking locker room right now. Like, they want to fuck for sure. But (laughs) they want to bang for sure. Oh, yeah. But it was nice. Like, I get what they're trying to do. They're trying to, like, like, oh, now, uh, you know, Maverick has got the respect of the main man, and he has learned his lesson now. He's the true flyboy that he was always meant to be. Oh, yeah. And finally, after his heroism, they go, Maverick, you can go anywhere you want. Where do you want to go? He goes, I want to be a teacher at the Top Gun Academy. And they're like, oh, you're going to be a teacher? Fuck. (laughs) Fuck. Well, at the very end of the movie, he gets back together with Kelly McGillis. Who cares? Who really cares about that? In like a fucking like Fonzie scene with the fucking Oh, yeah. (laughs) So, so romantic. Nobody cares. 
the point that I want to talk about at the end of the movie is that, you know, he kind of like has a moment where he, he says goodbye to Goose. He lets him go by taking his dog tags and throwing them into the ocean. And it's like, okay, did you really have to do that? Couldn't you have maybe, I don't know, given them to his son or his wife who are both grieving for him? No, you're just going to throw them into the ocean? Uh, oh, okay. Do, well, Okay. Well, they had to join the the jewel of the the jewel of the sea. Oh my god. <laughs> that poor little old lady. It's been 84 years. Oh god. No, that doesn't happen actually until 98. Yeah, so that's not going to happen yet. So really, the jewel of the ocean is going to join Goose's, Goose's dog. dog tags. Both useless things that didn't really need to be thrown in the ocean, but were anyway because movie, because symbolism. Symbolism. Ain't symbolism a motherfucker? Uh, I thought just like, I was like, what, what, what are you doing? <laughs> he has a son. <laughs> Why don't you give him to his son? It just seemed kind of mean, but I, I mean, whatever. He let him go, I guess. That's fine. Sure. <sighs> Well, when he gets back in the battle, he's like, Goose, talk to me, Goose. Oh, that was the, yeah, I liked that. When he's in the plane and he's kind of like bugging out and he almost dips on freaking Iceman. And he's just like, talk to me, Goose, talk to me. And he's squeezing the dog tags and he's like communicating with Goose. And it's like, oh, like I felt, you know, feelings. I love when feelings happen in a movie. But that is Top Gun. Yes, it is. It That is Top Gun. And um, it was... Fine. fine literally fine um yeah there was a lot of pew 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 in the air a lot of poo poo in the romance and a lot of sad goose death and that's all we got yeah so yeah there's like a little glimmer of emotionality at certain points in this movie but by the time it comes along, it's kind of, it's almost too late by then, honestly, to fully be invested. Um, at least for me. But yeah, I, I you know, I'm going to watch the sequel because I, I, I must. Oscars. Yeah, I, I must. And I am curious to see if they do better. I'm curious to see if I actually like the sequel better than this. Um, but yeah, it is what it is. I'm not mad at it, but I don't particularly like it either. I'm kind of very eh about it. I gave it a two and a half for that specific reason out of five stars. Yeah, I initially had to sit a four off just memory. That's insane. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Scott's stepdad, Steve-O. I'm so sorry, but I know. But rewatching <laughs> it now, because I really don't have rose-colored glasses for this movie. Yeah, I agree with you. It's It's fine. Like... It's cool. It's got the fighter stuff. It's like, oh, yeah, it's really cool. And I like Goose and I like Meg Ryan. But, like, overall, it is okay. I have it as a three out of five. That's fair. I mean, to all, like, also, in the movie's defense, I guess, it's really not made for me. Like, I would never have, on my own, chosen to watch this movie. I'm going to be real. But, Frankie... If you had a fighter pilot nickname, what would your fighter pilot nickname be? Well, it would have to be Sparky. That's, like, obvious. Yeah, Sparky's like. pretty good. What would you be? Uh, I'd probably Iceberg. Iceberg? <laughs> that's good. I like Eisenberg, but Iceberg, that's good. So, next week 
it's actually going to somehow weirdly connect to this movie because we're going to watch another movie with another big Tom. Ah. Uh, I will be showing Scott this movie this time. So I'm excited to show him this because not only have I not seen it in a long time, but it was a favorite of mine growing up. And I'm actually very surprised that Scott hasn't seen it. So I'm excited to see if it holds up. But until then, this has been Shoot the Flick. I'm Frankie Sparky Sparks. And I'm Scott Iceberg Eisenberg. Make sure you check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Shoot the Flick. And make sure you check out all our new episodes on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio, and pretty much anywhere else you can find a podcast. And make sure you come back next week for our Tomtastic, Splendorific Movie Adventure. I have a need. A need for speed. Oh, yeah. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> ah!